Alrighty, welcome back to another episode of the RLR Podcast. Uh, today we have a very special guest. Zach from Shooting Cars is going to be with us. He's been on the podcast before. It's fantastic to have him back. Welcome, Zach. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. Long time fan. Uh, second time caller. <laughs> 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 It's going to happen every time. You're just going to have to get ready for that. All right. Um, I'm Nick. That's Matt. Uh, We are the guys from the RLR podcast. I'm thrown off by Zach now. (laughs) We're Um, the guys from the RLR podcast, Redline Resorts. And I think with that, let's start, shall we? (laughs) Let's get a rolling start. Uh, Speaking of which, as zach knows as well as everybody who listens to our podcast regularly knows we are big porsche boys so we're gonna have some porsche news this week especially with the launch of the new gt3 but we're doing well, a seen... good service 2021 is the year of the porsche by the way i don't know if you guys officially know that but i've deemed 2021 the year of the porsche Thank i you. did see that in oh. your video i was gonna say I, that sounds like it's from a recent video but is it not i've been uh i've been trying to uh use uh tumblr skills and uh, speak into existence ah, you know you uh i forget eckhart toll i think said that uh say it and it'll happen or whatever so i'm just I want to get it out into the ether that uh, this is the year of the Porsche, so hopefully that'll attract more Porsches to my life. 100% can't agree more. I think, uh, well, we've been grouped a whole lot of Porsche stuff today together. Lots of uh, Porsche news over the past week. Wanna, Sorry, I did not mean to eject Ocito, because... Oh, I, I was going to say that that caught me off guard. <laughs> I eject I mean, I thought you liked Porsche. I thought you saw this technology. How rude would that be if I just left the podcast after that? <laughs> My apologies. Right. Technical difficulties. Nah, it's fine. They, they can't hear you coming in and out. You're, you're good. So, um, yeah, so GT3. That was revealed, uh, what, I think, uh, was it two, Tuesday? Tuesday of last week? I watched the live stream. Did you watch the live stream? I, I did. Okay. Zach? Zach, did you watch the live stream? <laughs> I did not lo- watch the live stream. Sorry, I was chugging water. Um, I did not watch the live stream. However, uh, what they announced it—it it has like a pig nose, right? Yeah, yeah. kind of. I mean, yeah, that's what kind of kind of looks like. like the but two little air vents. I mean, the yeah. most notable things that I remember. I mean, I love the shark uh, paint. By the way, it's my still my favorite. I was playing with the uh, some of the constructors on the website, and shark blue is still my favorite color. But what I saw the most notable is they, they a lot of new technology. It's pretty much the same engine from the uh, the race car, as well as you know, like what ultralight glass, ultralight carpet, cutting weight, and like even with all the stuff that they had put it. in. What's that? Almost everything's carbon on it. I mean, like or carbon or like sounds like some kind of carbon plastic hybrid something something. Of course, it goes on a diet, right? Cuts weight. Sounds like essentially was like was it 500 something horsepower i think if i'm not if i remember correctly but the most notable thing was it basically i think maintains the same power to weight ratio even with all the new technology and it has the act with the active front uh front arrow so yeah. i think that was that was a huge deal the wing looks all right i mean we had talked about that before as long as it the has wing to be in the right color full body color it's two-tone it looks all right i mean it looks good frankly in my opinion I love it. Yeah, I think, well, what, I texted you that it would look really good in uh, Bordeaux Red. 
I don't mean, of course, if you pay for it, right? I don't think off the bat that Bordeaux Red is an option, but no, have I don't you think seen it, it in Gentian Blue? Because I... that is giving me a I'm run for also... my money with the Shark Blue. Yeah, I personally, I'm not the biggest fan of the Shark Blue, but yeah. the the is it Gentian or Genesian Blue? Either one. Whatever uh, the hell it is. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the blue either. I think the blue is no? also tacky. The, that, like, I, super light blue, that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, the shark. Yeah, blue. yeah. If you're going for, like, <sighs> an in your face, then yes, right? Yeah. But you have Honestly, to be. I would special. rather take purple or orange at that point. Hmm. I think there's a topic, I know. I think and this is, is also coming orange. from someone who owns a Cinderella blue vehicle, so. Is that the paint uh, code of your RX-7, a Cinderella blue? Uh, Stardust. Oh. But the reason I the reason I bought that car was because Bella wanted a Cinderella blue car. So that's why I picked that one. Oh. So, yeah. But yeah, it, it's Stardust blue. It's, uh, is it T6 is the paint code or something? But right. it, it, it's a sparkly blue. So, so I, I don't I really have that much room to talk. See, but even your, your RX-7 color would look really good on that yeah it's a little light it's a little it's a very 80s color because it's yeah. a single stage paint true but i, so I agree I'm looking, what about a green i'm looking at the so i'm looking like at forest gr- forest green is coming back yeah um, the forest Toyota green Sienna, yeah but the python green i say no the Python green's like that light color kind yeah, of. Yeah, like, are there uh, electric green? Like Crayola crayon like color almost? green. As long no, no, like, uh, as long like, as like it's, you think of Crayola not, crayon green. That's as long the, as it's not anything near acid yellow that they use on the hybrid badges. Oh funny yeah. That's en- funny enough, I've got I think the preliminary colors here. Of course, Porsche you can pay for. Everything. Looks like they've got typical white, black, guards red. Which I mean, I love red, right? It's the red. You yeah. The guards red is just a dull little too racing yellow, frankly. Uh, what a Carrera white metallic, jet black metallic, a got. I can't. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. The Agate gray metallic, Dolomite silver metallic, GT silver. Wow, lots of silver. Gentian That's a blue, lot of colors. Gentian blue, shark blue. Cr- Apparently, there's one called Cran, which doesn't actually look bad. It's like a gray white combo. It's not terrible. Wait, it... I think. It's not chalk. It's it's crayon. I, I guess that would be the how I would describe it as like a kind of chalky. And then there's well, lava they, orange, they which have has chalk. the chalk, and the python green, which I do not like at all. So well, no, I I've never been a huge fan of the python green, but a purple would be. I, I mean, it's Porsche, right? If you want paint, whatever, Bill, and you could persuade them to probably do whatever you want if you're willing to pay, it's because you know Port White. Porsches, you pay for four wheels and an engine and a seat, and everything else is optional. So, where where are you seeing crayon? Because all I'm seeing is chalk, and I know chalk. I'm looking in. I'm actually looking in. Uh, it was a post from I mean, a, a Porsche group I'm a part of on uh, Facebook, and it's from the the launch colors, and it looks like it's one of the fifteen uh, launch colors. So because. What I'm seeing is... I can't say the person's name, obviously, but it's from uh, someone posted these are the 15 launch colors in the group. Because I'm looking at Porsche's official announcement, and they've got Agate Gray, Aventurine Green Metallic, Black, Carmine Red, which I think would look fantastic, um, 
Carrera White Metallic Chalk at Custom Unreleased Color, which will probably be the RS color. Yep. Dolomite Silver, Genesian Blue, uh, GT Silver Metallic, Guards Red, Jet Black Metallic, Lava Orange, Night Blue Metallic, Python Green, oh. Racing Yellow, and White. That's I'm gonna have to try try a trade. There's there's unfortunately no articles links individual shall we say it looks like it's a might even be a dealership in the uk though um but maybe they call chalk something else overseas uh the, i mean that could be it maybe there might there might be different legit colors for the uk versus u.s market maybe i'm not sure to be honest but i don't know i i'm not gonna say that these are the colors this is just what i'm seeing right now so that's i mean yeah. first off though i don't see a chalk i mean i also don't see uh there's the blue you mentioned i don't see that blue here it's a different named red probably a different color red that i'm seeing so who knows what's right but it's still in the infancy of the release anyway so yeah speaking with of that Porsche, I mean, it's it's yeah. cool I, I think the sound is amazing as usual seems oh, like course. they were able to do more techno wizardry and and keep uh you know keep the beating heart of the, of the gt3 pretty much as is from uh, i think the last generation if not a little bit better so well and like i said last week i Sound is a huge factor for me, and to hear that flat six roaring. set the record right around um, uh, the North Life of under under seven minutes, right? Yes. Current took took the record from the nine eighteen. You were telling me, correct? If I'm correct. not mistaken, it did. So, which is very even to someone who's who's driven like what driven around in a video game. That's a tricky course, nonetheless, and that's that's really dang impressive. So. Yeah. We'll have to see what becomes of the uh, of the RS version. Weight cuts, maybe hopefully a power boost, and just see what kind of a monster that car is, right? Yeah. Well, with the the aero package on it, I see it being a track day killer. I well, mean... yeah, it's it's nuts. <clears throat> More so on the uh, I guess other thing I I didn't know about, but you found for this week, Nick is. Sounds like Porsche might be doing something similar to what uh, Daimler and, and Mercedes-Benz has recently announced they're doing with a split. Yeah, so I don't know about the split. The split is more or less just rumor. But what Daimler and uh, Mercedes did with the... They're not really splitting, but they're splitting on paper for the sense yeah. of it being a stock market Indeed thing. Right yeah, well, or, or just... To be able well, to list the stock, yeah. I mean, Daimler's going on the ex- on the uh, the Frankfurt Exchange, and then thus a, a fountain, you know, of course, a, a then to follow, you know, rebrand to separate the two, you know, trucks and whatnot to uh, Mercedes and that stuff. So, yeah. So Porsche's looking to do the same thing from the VW group. Um, they're looking to get listed, which could mean a split from VW, uh, hmm. which would be extremely interesting. Yeah, I'll buy some stock on Porsche. I mean, uh, even more support for <laughs> for the love of Porsche, right? I don't care how much it costs. I want some shares. <laughs> yeah. Um, why don't you go ahead and cover the uh, the factory news? Oh, um, the China stuff. So I that was something that I had. I don't remember from where, I, but it was actually from a couple about a week and a half ago. We just didn't put it in last week. Seems like uh, <clears throat> the Taycan is selling really well, obviously, and thus that means there's a lot of demand. Plus, you have what the rear-wheel drive, cheaper option coming to various mm-hmm. markets, including the U.S. So, 
there, there's clearly demand, which means they need to build more faster, right? Apparently, Porsche has ruled out putting a, an, I think the, ch the Chinese market is a huge market for the Taycan and orders, based on what I was reading. Apparently, they've ruled out putting a, a, essentially a factory in China because people want cars from Germany. And I can full, I can fully get behind this initiative, even yeah. if it, you know, it sounds like they might maybe make some new factories in Germany, but they want their cars to be German made as much as possible and hence not putting a factory in China. So that is, I mean, that makes sense, right? The, the fact that Porsche is a German car is a huge selling point and the Germans know how to make cars, right? So although it's yeah. kind of funny, frankly, whereas, uh, you know, a lot of other car companies like well, anybody else, frankly, would, you know, it might make logistic sense to put a, you know, factory churning stuff out in China. If that's a huge market. Porsche doesn't seem to be interested in that. They want to, it seems like, keep it, you know, in Germany. And that's a selling point, even with the Chinese market. So, yeah. Yeah. So, See, looking at a different article here, this is something from uh, Motor1.com. It's apparently that Porsche invested 6 billion euros into its Zuffenhausen factory for building the Taycan back in 2019. And they're all, apparently they're planning to only ramp up production in Germany in the years to come. So not to mention, you know, we're, we saw another new debut of a Taycan type model with the uh, Cross Turismo. So how much more demand could we see for the Taycan, frankly? Well, I hope a ton. I really hope a lot. Yeah. I, I really like it. Like, I would say if, 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 I, if money was no option, I mean, obviously a, essentially a larger a large what a larger would it be a boot i think for the european market well, trunk for a, a, the it essentially market. takes the tycon and turns it into a shooting brake which... yeah i i love the looks of it i i do have to say though for my current uses if money was no object i would still prefer a a standard tycon but you know if you need the space and you need yeah i'm wagon all look. the way i think the panamera wagon is one of the best cars they've made i recently does it look I like it's... a i think it looks like a panamera for it yeah, looks, I would be it, very shocked if it was vastly different than the Panamera. Um, I doubt they just copied and pasted the roofline, but also I mm -hmm. can't imagine. It's probably a modified Panamera roofline. To me, when I first saw, I saw a video on on Porsche's uh, YouTube channel. I was talking, I don't know who the guy was. But it, it frankly looked like a modified, you know, Panamera from, you know, like middle roof back with the front of a Taycan. And frankly... It would make sense. You've already got both of those cars. Find a way to mash them together and not reinvent the wheel. And then all of a sudden, you're servicing a brand new market. Frankly, so right. Good on them. Frankly, um, well, it's... and the and the Panamera has been selling so much better since the redesign. And yes. is so much better. Would this be the first all electric wagon? I don't. I mean, hmm. there's the Chevy Bolt. Is, is it a wagon? A hatchback. That's is not it like technically that. a wagon though? Well, I think it really depends on the tailgate. Huh. huh. If it's got a big tailgate, I'd say it's the wagon. It has that long roof line. I would lean towards agreeing with you. Yeah, and I, I'm not aware of any other. Let me do a quick uh, search on Google and see if I can find. There's it. someone that made a. Um, I think it was a company either did a concept or actually built a wagon Tesla Model S. So it wasn't a factory option. Um, so this is, it might be the first electric wagon, which would be a big game changer. 
everything I'm seeing they've had the hybrid a hybrid yeah. frankly oh, yeah in terms of wagons and I'm looking on across I guess just what I was coming up and what was I, the... I know the cars that are coming up and I know that at best they're hybrids they're not fully electric and the the Prius V never was a full Ooh. electric right yeah I don't think it was full electric but they definitely had a Prius wagon did they yeah it was the Prius yeah, V yeah it was uh, let's see no Prius no wagon. bueno um the Prius V no that's yeah that wasn't a wagon something though. like that is was it the C? They thought, did a whole Prius the C family was a for like guy, two years. Do you remember that? Yeah, they they were trying to get really family focused for a while. For a, a little bit there, it looked like Toyota was just gonna split off Prius as like its own brand, like Ford's yeah. trying to do with the Bronco. Yeah, and after absorbing um, Scion, yeah, it just wasn't worth it. No. Um, but either way, yeah, I mean. Well, Zach, you and I got to truly experience the Panamera on a track. Right, yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. Of. We, jeez, oh, that thing had such a long, stupid name. The, <laughs> hold on. Uh, Panamera, Panamera E-Hybrid 4ST Cross Turismo, blah, blah, blah. I, uh, pretty much. Like, it was, it's the I Panamera. I of it. And the, yeah. It's the, the name doesn't even fit on the bottom of the card. <laughs> no, it's the... Let's see. Porsche Panamera. Uh, hold on. Fill space for a second. I'm going to go look at the Hot Wheels. <laughs> I'm just going to pull but it off. I, yeah, it was like the Porsche Panamera S Gran Turismo Estate? No, something like I don't know. But that thing, well, that was a twin-turbo V8 it's a, a hybrid drive system. Yeah, so this is a Porsche Panamera Turbo SE Hybrid Sport Turismo is what we yeah. Or got, we rode much. in that one. We drove the GTS. Not the longest name of any car, but pretty high up there. Yeah. I don't know what the longest name is. Let me try to find the BMW. There's some BMW that was so long. Still time. It looks like, uh, yeah, anyway. according to Porsche, I think it is a wagon. So, so that makes it really interesting. It might be the first electric wagon, and I love the look All of it. All electric wagon. Right, all electric. I, when I say electric, I'm not talking about a hybrid. I'm talking about full electric. Yeah. So we got a. F- in, in looking at the, the, the Cross Turismo, apparently it sounds like the Taycan, they've delivered over 20,000 Taycans in its first year, or did, which. That's a lot. That's, that's a lot of Taycans. That's really impressive considering what the Audi e tron did, what, 4,000? I mean, like that. we talked about the new, uh, the whatever the new Audi. I think it's the. It was the Etron GT that we talked e-tron about. Etron GT, which is. Kind I'd be cool, interested to see. It looked, yeah, it looks like like a, like a smaller, you know, essentially and cheaper, slightly smaller, slightly and cheaper Taycan. I'd be interested to see how that one sells, because. But then again, yeah, the Porsche, even the rear wheel upcoming, you know, Taycan being cheaper but still more expensive than the base you know audi e-tron gt maybe people are just clearly frankly willing to pay porsche prices for it i mean seriously yeah i think the reason we've seen so many electric luxury cars is that you can kind of justify the price then because if you want an economy car with the same amount of technology 
as one of these EVs, you're going to be buying like a forty or fifty thousand dollar economy car. It, you yeah. know, so I think hm. the the luxury is just sort of almost a side effect of the price. Well, not to mention, I'm around. sure that depending on country or state or whatever, there's you know tax write-offs, which you know one could argue do or don't offset the car cost of the car depends on the way you look at it right but yeah i'm sure that those are still going to be here especially as you know multiple states in the u.s government and governments around the world tried to shift in more recent years to clearly ev heavy more so than ever it'll be interesting to see toyota just put out they redesigned their toyota mirai which is only sold in california it's a hydrogen fuel yeah, cell car and yeah. they give you fifteen thousand dollars worth of hydrogen they give you a special credit card that is just for hydrogen and it has $15,000 on it. I, I, I watched a review on that from, I think, uh, Doug DeMuro. Yeah. One thing that strikes me is how awesome is that, but how sparse are the fueling, quote-unquote, stations? Very e sparse. If you don't live the in the area. Grand, right? Like, yeah, if you don't live in the uh, towards any sort of uh, fill station for hydrogen, it's I mean, it's, it's and impossible. It's, even with fifteen grand from a manufacturer from Toyota, hydrogen is still expensive. I mean, yeah, it was like seventy or eighty dollars a fill up. Someone was talking about like, really, and that's for like four hundred miles. See that, but I gotta be honest. In my personal opinion, like EVs, I think I say yeah, are the way of the future. I I'm waiting for the day where we have you know the rush for EVs, like like with high like for hydrogen powered vehicles, like the fact that. You know, eventually economy of scale ideally would bring the price down for filling and, you know, means that production would go up and blah, blah, blah. I would love to be driving a car that its byproduct is water. I mean, right. I, well, that, that would give me true peace of mind over an EV with, hey, I'm drawing power. How is that power created and that, you know, environmental impact? A hydrogen one, I think, is the true game changer, frankly. That would give me true peace of mind. Yeah, I think in all reality, it's the actual fueling infrastructure for hydrogen is something that's more sustainable. With yeah. electric cars, really the only option to get refueling as fast as gasoline is to do hot battery swaps where mm -hmm. you pull in, they literally take out your battery and give yeah. you a new fully topped off battery. Didn't, uh, didn't the, doesn't like the RIMAC tour or you RIMAC 1, wasn't that how that the you had to have like a team that came with you to the racetrack to replace your batteries and on a track there or something like that. I'm not sure. It's that sounds. I correct. yeah. I I heard that. I. I mean, ideally, I if you're paying, but then again, you got to be paying those here. prices to afford, essentially, a team yeah, to do. Well, I mean, if you're gonna do a, a a battery swap, I mean, you can't do that, right? Like, I mean, just think of the cost to do. Well, I, I've actually been talking to a couple people in the industry recently, not automotive side, but tech side. Mm -hmm. And they said that a lot of companies are spending research dollars on hot battery swaps. So well, it, it could be something down the line. But, I mean, you, there's going to be health well, risks with that. There's going to be we saw them look you know, into a bunch it. of things. Yeah, we saw them look into it in Formula E for a while. and what I was going to say that same just... thing. They did do battery, I mean, not technically battery swaps. They did car swaps, but they even got away, like, they developed a battery that could last an entire race. So is the future in, you know, fast, safe, efficient battery swaps, or is it in better batteries and charging infrastructure? I mean, you know what I mean? Um, 
and no matter what, you're still creating these batteries that, you know, all the all the metals and all the the you know the caustic elements that are in batteries. I mean, I know, yeah, it's, it's just a whole I lot think, of underlying. I think if we had long enough range, there wouldn't be a need for it. But until then, you know, if you run out of electricity, you're stuck wherever you are for <laughs> at least two hours. You can't do that to a walk of shame. Well, you might need a battery swap then from a tow truck. You can't really do a yeah. walk of shame to a, you know, 10 miles yeah. down the road to a gas station with a little tiny jug, you know? Yeah, you're not going to come back with a wheelbarrow with a battery in it. So that, that <laughs> and, and I love this conversation, but I know this is also kind of digging into our fuel for thought as well. That's it, yeah. Let's, um, let's, let's save the rest of this, yeah, for life. We have a, a spot for fuel for thought. Let's, uh, I like Because I've got some thoughts on that, but I'm going to hold on to that. That being said, we've also got Porsche developing a synthetic fuel this week. Porsche is just this will round out our Porsche news <laughs> for the week. But um, Porsche is developing a synthetic fuel. It's a hydrogen and carbon dioxide blend that supposedly the new GT3 can run off of without any modifications. Um, and all all <laughs> very of very interesting. That's frankly in- incredible. If that's that just doesn't sound real, though. Like, I was thinking the same thing. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it, something it, about it. It doesn't sound like I. I got to do more research on. I. I didn't hear about this, frankly. Uh, Nick, you. You had kind of. I'm a person. Yeah, and it, it just years. kind of hit news um, on I, Friday. So that doesn't. And, and for I, those hey, of you the science has got to be there. They're German, right? They wouldn't go down that path unless there was, you know, unless it was logical, right? So. Uh, yeah. Ideally, man, Germany has had some bad ideas, though. I don't want to point out. Any. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't that kind of podcast. The bratwurst <laughs> was not their best invention. <laughs> hey, Nuremberger sounds pretty good. So, uh, <laughs> agree to disagree. All right. Well, with that, maybe let's let's head to a different to to save ourselves from any kind of uh, an interesting discussion. Maybe head to a different country. I want to talk about something real quick that uh, Jaguar is a ja- Jaguar, if I'm pronouncing it correctly for the folks in the EU. Sounds like uh, they're going to be going through a rebrand. As we all know, Jaguar seems like consistently has trouble selling cars and staying alive. Somehow they do every year, trailing behind all the other car manufacturers in their sales figures. But well, well we could sounds ask, like we could ask the resident uh, vehicle expert here. Yeah, um, what, what are you what are you think I'm about? I'm boiling that? right now. I'm <laughs> boiling. Well, and let me let, me let you continue thing. to boil. It sounds like Jaguar is going to be rebranding and will become an all elect all electric luxury car brand from 2025 onwards. So that's in just five short years, a rebrand to an entirely electric luxury, brand, which I uh, find pretty cool, frankly. Um, I've I don't know what, what what model one of their EVs is. Um, I, 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 I or I pace. E-pace? I think it, I think it's the I think it's the I whatever it was. I remember walking down the street in Chicago a couple of years ago from the Chris Kindle Market, and I'm like I I, I saw a, a Jaguar and I'm like what is that? I love it. I love the look of it. I just love everything about it. Didn't couldn't hear it frankly because I think it was a I think it was full EV at least a hybrid. And I went home on on the drive home, and I was in the passenger seat with my parents, and I just was, you know, soaking in trying to find out what it was, and I think it was the I Pace. So, I do love Jaguar style. I really do exterior. So, I think it'd be cool. Was it was it the E Pace or the I Pace? It's the I Pace. 
because I, I reviewed an e-pace and I had all of this electrical car research yep. done, Definitely and then I e-pace. showed up and it was a Ford Focus ST engine in a, a, a SUV. Got definitely, it. I looked at it now. Definitely I-pace. an I pace. Definitely an I pace. Yeah. Yeah. Range two hundred thirty four mile battery only. Yep. I I I mean, I uh, I did watch uh, Zach. You had a recent uh, Jaguar review, right? And uh, I agree with with your comments. There, so hopefully, <sighs> yeah. as, as they rebrand, um, they'll they'll fix some of the issues in the interior and with their powertrain. So here's the thing. Rebranding to EVs, at least in Jaguar's case, is literally getting rid of the sole reason that Jaguar has ever been cool, which was the V8s, which was the V12s. Roadie, was, you know, European, yeah. mus- mu- European muscle. Right. So I drove, I reviewed a 2018 Jaguar F-Type base model, but it had the 2-liter mm-hmm. turbo 4-cylinder. The interior was actually great. The actual interior felt very nice, um, had great materials, and being in that car was actually a nice experience. But once I put my foot down, nothing happened. It was a 2-liter turbo that made sub-300 horsepower. And then, stack on top of that, they asked $63,000 for that car. $63,000 for sub-300 horsepower, four-cylinder turbo. It's just, it's insane. But I, I have ridden in, and hopefully when the weather gets nice, I would review the actual turbo uh, V8 F-Type all-wheel drive. Um, I rode in one last summer, and unfortunately I didn't have time to film it. Um, and that that's something very, very special. It's a very good car. Uh, yeah. I love it. The The SUVs, don't matter they're not that great even the sedans aren't even that good really the f-type is the only car that is any bit special from jaguar and i don't see that moving into the electric world unless they make a electric two-seater convertible but mm-hmm. that would be the first of its kind as well so well no just kidding the tesla roadster second of yeah. its kind Oh, true. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not necessarily in favor or against their quote unquote, you know, all EV rebrand, but you do have a good point that I hadn't thought about. Is that taking away the entire, you know, nostalgia of Jaguar? Well, do you remember the old Top Gear episode where Jeremy had, a, I think it was the V12 Jaguar? Oh, oh and I know. They were yeah, in some yeah. Eastern Bloc Europe country or something. Yeah. And they were putting tennis balls in the headers and shoot, like <laughs> launching them off. Yep. Like that, or they, I think they were in India. Um, oh, like that, those were so cool. Like the big V8s, the throw. Like you know, you think of a Jaguar, it's gonna pounce. It has well, this as, sort as of Jeremy muscle says, behind. You think it. of a Jag or something. Yeah. Like, that. like not like a. When I think of Jag, <laughs> I think of like I think of thick balsa wood on the dash. I think of leather. I think of big engines. You know, I think I of sort of this think off of what, brand. Uh, I can't help but think of what uh, uh, Jeremy Clarkson said in the one of the Grand Tour episodes, where like joking about the Mercedes and Jaguar. You know, mesh, like like vehicle testing. Take a car off a line, put a cat in it. You know that we know Mercedes knows that the 
the, the car, the seals on the car pass tests if the cat's suffocated by the morning. Jaguar knows that they built the car properly if the cat hasn't escaped by the morning um, from the car. So. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, th you think of the lovable quirks and also the lovable legitimate parts about a Jag, so... I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do. If they offer a, you know, big, big sedan, nice, like, if, mm -hmm. if they offer everything that a Jag was except for the engine, I don't know. I just feel like that whole company is just kind of focused around high cylinder, throaty engines. But big then again, there, frankly. the last 10 years, they've just been making SUVs, and I forget even what I drove. I drove some sedan, like, Two years ago, and it's so forgettable. I don't even remember the name of it. <laughs> well, I mean, it was. Just, it was. I think it was a supercharged V6. Might have just been a V6. Hey, they've had some forgettable stuff, right? So maybe maybe this is the way to stop the forgettable stuff. I mean, who knows? Ideally, if they if they can go uh, with their, I think if they can go with their rebrand and keep the uh, the Jaguar nature to the best of their ability, I'm all for it. But we'll have to see. Time time will literally re tell. Frankly, I drove here. a uh, a 2017 Jaguar XE 35T Prestige all-wheel drive. That's a mouthful. Hmm. Yeah, not quite as much as the uh, the Porsche. The but... Porsche, but yeah, no, it it and it didn't really deliver to to the point where I drove. I was driving the Jaguar I Pace a couple months after. And I said in the video, originally, I cut this out, but originally I said in the video, I was like, wow, my first Jaguar product. Completely forgetting that I had driven one just a month or two ago. <laughs> but it was so ridiculously forgettable that I, it didn't even strike my mind. For like days after filming, it was only when I was editing that I realized it. Wow. Huh. So. Well, it, hopefully I, this doesn't mean they'll make more forgettable cars. To be honest, it's a disappointing turn for me that, that Jaguar is rebranding to EV. I understand that that's the way the world is going, but don't maybe maybe not. Maybe you wouldn't expect it, it from them right now, whereas you would expect it from, say, you know, what Ford with their uh, their EU announcement going all plug-in hybrid by just a year after twenty twenty-six. See, that makes yeah. sense to me, though. Yeah. So yeah, Ford Ford said that they're going to stop building and selling all internal combustion engine vehicles in Europe by twenty twenty-six. So that's. And that's all the Ford sub-brands, too. Uh, is that including the Mustang as well? I, in is Europe, that yes. sold in Europe? I, yeah. Oh, wow. in, okay. The one that I was reading, was it was definitely in the, talking about EU specifically, not worldwide. So I'm wondering if yeah. they just won't get the Mustang for a couple of years until it is fully switched over to EV. Probably. Unless they're uh, going to drop something on us in, like, 2023. I mean, they, they, didn't they dyno an electric actual Mustang? Not the Mach E, but like the actual Mustang? Oh, the Mach E's didn't not they a Mustang. Didn't they show it at like SEMA or something? I mean, it, it has the name, but it's not a Mustang. That makes me think of an article I saw about the Mustang. Re I saw something about the Mustang recently where, let me find, it was some, something about, quote, the most powerful. It was on Drive Tribe. I, I, was, I was perusing Drive Tribe a couple of days ago. It was something about quote the most powerful Mustang ever is coming with like almost yeah. eight hundred horsepower. And I'm assuming it's gonna be hybrid. Okay, never mind. That's not okay, never okay, good. I think no, I think this is what, what they were talking about is the uh 
is a Roush Stage 3 Supercharged V8. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Good. Not a lot. I was, I was worried as like, you know, it's going to be, you know, all electric, you know, conversion of whatever the torque or the, the Newton meters to horsepower, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So sounds like well, I'm still happy there. It's interesting to think, though, that some auto manufacturers are just straight up not going to survive this change. That's true. Um, I mean, like, we, we're I, I looking can't at the help last but wonder a Jaguar. I mean, along that point, Zach, I mean, I wonder, I wonder if Jag will. I've always, I've always thought of Jag as, you know, this very niche buy. When I see him, I'm happy to see him on the road, but I don't think anyone, quote unquote, people really buy them over the other German brands or even, you know, Japanese or, or yeah. whatever. Well, I'm, I'm thinking will they even more, survive this? Like, even the international brands, like, stuff that we don't get here in the States, how is... Yeah. Or, or more specifically, how is Stellantis going to handle this? I mean, we, we saw that they dissolved SRT, mm-hmm. which yeah. is sad. Um, because it sounds like they dissolved, like they're not going to do away. They better not do away with SRT products because I love SRT products. Again, Here's the thing: so... SRT has been dissolved before. <laughs> it, it it Dodge. As much as I love Dodge, Dodge is the crackhead of the car industry. And mm, they canceled the Viper, and then they brought it back like 45 minutes later. And, and then, then they canceled it again, and aren't they technically still selling them or something that I was reading the other day? Yeah, oh, and then they've hinted that they're going to bring back the Viper again. And it's like, like literally, it, it's drug habit behaviors. There's no <laughs> continuity. There's no – all lies. <laughs> And it's just like, but that's what we love about it. That's ideas. why the SRT read. That's why the SRT wing is amazing because their solution to a lot of problems is sitting around the table, maybe doing a line of of, of something and saying, yeah. ah, you know, you know what a, we a need? Line of substance. We need a we <laughs> a line of, of <laughs> You know what we need? We you, you know that that big SUV we have? Let's put the Hellcat motor in it. Yeah, that's and, an idea. and then we'll give it over to John Hennessy, and he can make it a thousand horsepower in all-wheel drive with a car. Are they making them? Is, is, is there yes, there is. Like a, a Chrysler and minivan. Uh, was was that just? I don't a... think so. That was just a meme, I think. I hate minivan. minivan. That might be the only minivan I actually enjoy. Yeah, I, I love like... minivans. So. I st- I'm still very much against, um, <laughs> uh, you know, any minivan. Uh, however, the Hellcat motor in it. Come on, I'll drive. Uh, I'm I'm not with you guys. I'm gonna buy a minivan like ASAP. <laughs> hey, I I will say minivan. my uh my grandparents bought a twenty I think a twenty twenty. I'm not sure what trim model uh, Chrysler Pacifica, and they're not they don't hate quote unquote minivans like I do. They don't they never like them, but I gotta be honest, from what I'm hearing from them, they're thoroughly impressed. Frankly, with the, with the new, I I was uh, Pacifica, impressed. So. I've got someone that I work with has the Pacifica, and I and it's the Pacifica with the black top edition, and mm. I'm g- genuinely impressed. Um, I am still not a fan of minivans, but if I had to have one, yeah. that would be the one I would lean towards. My thing so. in minivans is, you know, name a car, name a another car model that can't do what a minivan can. 
space, carrying people, just get a, a decently sized crossover or like a Subaru Outback or you know, nope. something like that. I mean, nope, minivan I, all the way. I'd rather like, like like a GMC Acadia. I'd rather have that. Basically the same, you know, car. Yeah, I don't have the four. Matt, you're so. tall. Sit in the third row. Sit in the third row of a GMC Acadia. I wouldn't Let be me sitting know in how it goes. <laughs> I actually have sat in the third row of a GMC Acadia for an extended amount of time, and I was the only one back there, and I was diagonal the whole trip. So I know yeah, what you're how was talking that? about. See, I when I reviewed the brand, but a Odyssey, six a six foot one adult is I, I arguably enough not going to be sitting in the back of a of even a Chrysler Pacifica minivan. Come on, yeah, but you can sit in the back. That's the thing. And yeah, okay, not a six one <laughs> adult, but like once your kids become like twelve, thirteen, I mean, if you well, by then, but don't, don't you get rid of the minivan? No, don't, don't you have a minivan, minivan for the purposes for which you need a minivan to carry carry around? the kids and whatnot and then as your kids grow up you change car models to an suv or a crossover I mean, yeah maybe when they go to college but like high school happen. like band practice like soccer practice recitals oh, church events SUVs. yeah but it's just easier getting into a minivan though that, you ever that tried I, getting I into the that. third row of a high up SUV? I, I will give you that in the terms of getting into the third for days. row. It's not that, graceful. Yes, I will give you that. Um, yeah, I will give. <laughs> I will give you that one. Frankly, here's another thing. Like kids wise, first of all, minivans are low to the ground. They're easy to get into, but also they don't have swinging doors. So mm -hmm. child seats, getting them in and out of the opening of the door is a lot easier when the door is not in the way. Yeah. One thing I I did I think we were at the auto show maybe it was one like one of the first auto shows that I went with uh, to with you Nick I remember seeing it was I don't know what maker it was I don't know if it's if it's stuck right but there was a I think a vacuum incorporated yep into Honda the Odyssey car. has it baby and I will say that that that's a great wait invention. but I thought I, I thought I, Honda was taking out uh, I thought it was, they were taking it out for this year Zach not the twenty uh, I drove a ooh, what did I drive shoot. Because I, I thought I heard, especially if you had kids. I, I thought I saw a joke article written by, and I have to go back and figure out who it was, but it said that the Honda Odyssey is going to suck less because it didn't have a vacuum in it this year. Um, I think Odyssey, no, I drove a twenty twenty one. It had a vacuum. Here's the thing: huh. if you watch my twenty twenty one toy, uh, not toy, uh, Honda Odyssey review. And I walk around the back to the Honda vac that's in the trunk. I genuinely did not know that it had it. Mm -hmm. And so my reaction is genuine. And I was so excited, I broke my GoPro mount. Because I was trying <laughs> to adjust the camera, and it just snapped the plastic tabs off of it. So, yes, that has it. Um, I, I think almost all top trim minivans have that option. I think the Sienna and the Pacifica have the option as well. The Pacifica, I think it's in between the second and third row, where the Odyssey, it's only in the trunk, which is kind of annoying. Yeah. But it, it has a vacuum, so I'm not going like, to complain about it. Mm. But minivans all day, man. I could go <laughs> on and on and on about minivans. I'm a big fan. <laughs> well, and uh, I'd, I'd say uh, I know that we want to uh, maybe hit some stuff and uh, feel for thought. So if would you guys be uh, all right if I spin through the quick things here with uh, the rest of uh, Go for it. Yeah, well, why on. don't we get through these we'll, and uh, we'll, Just we'll to keep let moving the people the... know what we find interesting <laughs> yeah. or noteworthy. Uh, I found some that says the uh, Subaru 
apparently planning to do a spin-off, much like uh, other, you know, Japanese or what is it? Uh, much like, what's a good example? Uh, let me think here. Like Hyundai spin spinning off like, Genesis? Yeah, something like that. But essentially, they're going to spin off, it sounds like, into the Outback and the Forester into a, a brand called Wilderness. So pri primarily uh, off-road oriented, which, eh. I mean, I think the the Outback and Subaru Forester filings will follow them along with, so it could be uh, getting in on that on that game right for for the spinoff. Looks like uh, McLaren released a new well, what was it a a new car? The uh, Arturo, if I'm it's a plug-in hybrid, correctly. Yep. Which is it? It looks amazing, especially I think in one of one of the press cars was that was light like limey silvery green, which I love. So uh, worth a check. Doesn't have a reverse gear. Apparently, which I'm still not sure how that works, but apparently it doesn't have a reverse gear. So, have to see what what that does. Um, what else we have? The Cozy Coupe got a, a a much needed redesign. And for who might not know what the Cozy Coupe is, it's that little plastic, uh, little you know, little little Tykes uh, Fisher yeah. Price. Exactly. It, it's the first car all of us petrol heads ever had, frankly. Uh, and it uh, had a t it looked terrible in its last generation with stick-on googly eyes and not and it deserved so. I just want to say that the cozy coupe has gotten redesigned more recently than the Nissan Frontier. So, <laughs> <laughs> Nissan. If you want something to be depressed about this week, that's it. Nissan is so behind the ball that literally a children's toy is passing them up. <laughs> Oh, boy. Along, along we want to talk depressing. about other vehicles that aren't going to survive the EV wave <laughs> in infinity. Uh, <laughs> along a depressing line, uh, Zach, you, uh, Bruce Myers, the inventor of essentially the dune buggy, has yeah. passed away a couple days ago. The fiberglass so, shell uh, that people would put on Volkswagen chassis who that doesn't we love a dune come buggy. to know and love as the dune buggy, which actually there was a kid at my high school that used to drive one to high school. And I remember uh, it randomly rained one day. That's cool. It was, it was a tough one for him. Because um, <laughs> it did not have a top. It was just a fiberglass shell on a beetle platform. Um, but yeah, he passed away. It's sad. One of the one of the most iconic cars, I'd say, that come, of, come out of the mid-century. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, I think uh, rounding out here, let's see what else I have. It looks like... Uh... Looks like uh, the JD Power 2021 JD Power rankings, uh, dependability studies have come out, and uh, Tesla did very poorly with uh, in in that JD Power for the dependability ranking. Uh, they looked at vehicles that were up to even three years old. It it currently is tracking, I think, 177 specific problems in eight categories with Teslas. So we've talked about this before, but Tesla is not doing so hot right now. Hopefully, as they find you know you know fix some production issues and i'm not sure exactly what uh, specifically those 177 individual issues they're tracking are but uh, it's probably worth apparently quote from this uh, inside evs article quote owners reported on average 121 problems per 100 vehicles that's a big deal yeah <laughs> So on the other end of that spectrum, it looks like the Porsche 911 came out near the top of said 2021 power, JD Power uh, dependability study. So, you know, one last little little jab. In well, owners of the 911s don't drive them enough to break them. They're always yeah, that, that car that could very well be it. Uh, yeah. Shit. 
All but right. nonetheless, that's the thing, you know. That's the thing that really bothers me about 9-11 owners is that they just they don't drive them as much. For the most part, they're the, the people best that driving them cars don't use them for what they're intended for. They're the best driving cars ever, and then they're not yeah. used for that. Yeah. Well, the last thing I want to hit here is uh, is Toyota. Apparently, those who know Toyota, and I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, just-in-time production and like supply chain logistics and all that. I almost studied that in college. And so uh, Toyota is known for one of the pioneers, if not the pioneer, of like the just-in-time delivery system, which essentially means, you know, you're you're not stockpiling, you know, products or, or parts to build things. You're getting deliveries just in time, so there's no delays in production. There's no massive inventory overhead. Blah blah blah. Apparently, Toyota is shifting out of the of the just-in-time rule, and they've also stockpiled. I think what I think it's about four months worth of semiconductor chips. So they are not yet being affected, coupled with slight uh, production declines on some of their facilities. They're not yet being affected by the semiconductor chip shortage. But four months is not going to last a while with those chips. I'm not saying, yeah, I'm I'm not future. I'm not saying it's future proof, but based on this article written by Anjani Trivedi from Bloomberg Opinion, they're not yet... It will most likely creep up on them, but yeah, they're not yet not, hit like other Not yet, are. but it will. It four months is not enough time. I th- that's a lot of cars for Toyota put to put out because they. But they've also slowed down production lines too. So that's not saying that yeah. you know they're they they have they have taken steps that other manufacturers have, but they don't have the shortage that other manufacturers yet have or yet have that the other manufacturers do. Yeah. So. Who knows? But sounds like you know what I would expect from Toyota. Frankly, is on the cutting edge of efficiency and so on. They're they're playing it smartly. So so we'll have to see how that unfolds in the next one to four months. But for now, I'm pretty impressed with Toyota. So not that I'm not usually. Sure. Yeah, anyway. Toyota will always be fine. I'm not worried about them. The they they are smart. I mean, like I said, they they pioneered just in time, the just in time system, and that's I I. That that almost single-handedly, I actually got I was fortunate to, um, one of my, uh, actually uh, I'm in in the states here. I'm uh, I'm a, Nick and I are both Freemasons, and one of the the guys in our lodge, li- worked with the the one of like the second gen CEO of Toyota, and and actually got to see that the early versions of that just in time system, and told me about it in in production, and from the stories that he told me, it's just incredible what Toyota yeah. is. Was able and is still able to, you know, to do. Frankly, and uh, yeah, I, I, I have yeah. all the respect in the world for him. So, yeah, and That's going off of that, going off of that one time, I saw a Toyota at Great Wolf Lodge Water Park. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> 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 with that, I, I think let's head out a rolling start and quickly let's, uh, let's move let's on over to Paddock Chat. <laughs> Uh, not not much to report here. We saw who no. of Alpha um Alpha what the heck I can't remember the name now, Alpha Tari right? Al- yeah. So <laughs> Zach, you got me, got me totally off my yeah. game here. Al- Alpha Tari's got their new clothing line and obviously their 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 car, which I love. There. The car it looks like it has white uh white rims, frankly, which. I yeah. I really like the Alphatari car. It looks like a, a distinct change from the previous, and it's pretty cool. So go, go check it out. We uh, also, we also learned that uh, Yuki is only three tires tall. 
Oh, you and I were joking about how the, yeah. the other he, he is either six helmets or three tires tall. You know, as as us Americans will literally measure anything ex using using anything to measure things except the metric system, uh, frankly. So uh, he's three helmets or was uh, six helmets, three uh, tires. He he's like he six helmets, about two and a half to three tires tall. Um, Looks like about a ha like like two thirds two thirds uh, two thirds a teammate. <laughs> Yeah, two, like two two thirds of his teammate, or uh, if he, since we He's are not small. using metric, he, he is five one and a half. <laughs> so that that's some jokes going around. Obviously, we still see Haas on the uh, on on the social media platforms getting grilled for anything that they post with uh, uh, Nikita Mazepin. Yeah, uh, it looks like Red Bull confirmed their car uh, debut date to be the 23rd of February. So in a couple days here, as we're recording on the 21st, I believe tomorrow we also see who's releasing. Someone's releasing tomorrow. Who's tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow's the 22nd, which would be who? Someone debuts tomorrow. Hmm. Um, what? Let's find out. Google. Um. In the, in the meantime, uh, while you figure that out, uh, Pirelli it. also released uh, released but didn't release which tire compounds they'd be using and <laughs> which tire compounds. It, it, Pirelli it's made of, it confusing, frankly. Yeah, Pre well, Pirelli always makes it confusing. And apparently, they can't even keep it th straight themselves, as we saw in, uh, what was with was that the, 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 the gist of what I was reading is it sounds like we all, as we've talked about, Pirelli is running with slightly overall harder compounds next year which again the drivers weren't happy about which means less grip but more tire durability longer lasting tires more environmental friendly blah 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 all that stuff but it sounds like for the most part they'll be running with the same compounds of the of their one through five c one through fives at most of the races of this upcoming year with the exception of azerbaijan and brazil where they'll actually be running slightly softer compounds compared to what they did last year which means the you know, more towards the uh, five, three, four end of things, based on the you know not the the harder compounds that they brought in the last year not being used or not seeing much of a benefit over the more medium compounds. So for the most part, sounds like about the same, but a shift in a couple of races to softer compounds. Um, all the while rem reminding ourselves that the compounds are all I think slightly harder, nonetheless. Anyway, so not huge news, but worth uh, worth talking about an F1, and I think this was, I'm still trying to find the F1 car release this year. One last thing, if you want to touch on, Nick, about Formula E. Right? Yeah, so Formula E's first uh, real date is set for later this week, so we've got just a couple of days before we start seeing Formula E. I'm excited for, obviously, the Porsche team to come out. Um, I, should, I should say the Tag, the Tag Heuer Porsche team. Tag Heuer Porsche team, which, uh, for those of you who are uh, not aware, Tag Heuer is a watch brand that Matt and I both, um, in very much enjoy. Very much enjoy. I would go as far as to say we quote unquote stan them. Uh, I feel bad for saying that. Um, I said that <laughs> you really should. Yeah, I should. Yeah, please. Yeah, I, I well, anyway. To, to kill that. Um, <laughs> thank goodness we don't have live video because I did air quotes too, and that's even worse. Uh, yeah, you're not seeing me throw up in my mouth. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. 
Um, yeah, so we, we're, we're very large fans of Tag Heuer. Uh, Tag Heuer and Porsche obviously had a huge collaboration lately since they both had a... Uh, Porsche had a vehicle Carrera called the Carrera, and the Tag Heuer had the Carrera watch. And now they are not one and the same, obviously, but uh, like branding-wise. Yep, they do, they do have a collaboration together now. I think, uh, did you touch on the first race? I, I did find, well, who's being released. Really yeah, so... So first race is coming up this weekend, as well as the second race. They're going to be back, uh, back-to-back days. So, I think they're in Dubai, aren't they? In the first race, uh, I don't believe it's Dubai. I believe it's, um, I believe it's Saudi Arabia. Anyway, I thought that. Well, that's what I meant then. Maybe I said the wrong thing, but I meant that's what I meant. Anyway, <laughs> definitely tune into that. I got to be honest. I I don't remember best like f1's frankly i, I had the subscription right so so with the f1 tv pro and it's pretty easy to watch the races and, and get the get the content i don't remember how how i how i tuned in for for, for fe stuff we gotta i think formula that, e has so. a new app this year so i gotta i gotta I'm find out so out. well if we see something which you guys know uh we'll uh, last thing in uh, form, pa- uh paddock chat here with formula one related is uh tomorrow red bull is releasing their car on the 23rd of february Tomorrow, being the twenty second of February, Alpha Romeo is releasing there. That's so it. we will That's be seeing uh, Alpha and Red Bull on the following day, and then it looks like we don't have another car, or in Ferrari's case, I guess we do have a team debut on the twenty sixth of February, technically, but uh, we don't have another car debut, I think, until March, frankly, March second, maybe with um, with Merck, something like that. So we'll see. Yep. I think that I think that's it, and that'll bring us into let's, uh, let let us grab our luggage, ha- hurry to the gate agent, and uh, walk Jeez. down the jetway. I'm gonna be doing Richard Hammond. Oh, okay. I guess we're doing Conversation Street style stuff. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, is this gonna be a mostly me segment again? I think so. Yeah. I think uh, I'll, I'll hit uh, some of our extraterrestrial things by ending it but yeah i think so so uh sikorsky big largely known for their uh helicopters um as well as some other planes but uh mainly their helicopters um and cargo uh lifting objects or cargo lifting uh, modes of transportation uh and the very very large package distributor of fedex are working together on a single pilot cargo plane, which will be very interesting since you usually need two pilots to fly something large enough to carry cargo. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work, frankly. Um, car- cargo the size of FedEx. I, obviously, they do have some single engine, or I'm sorry, single pilot, but also single engine uh, aircraft. Like um, I, I know for a little while they were using some... Uh, Cessna, not the minivan, but uh, Cessna Grand Caravans, uh, the 208 models. But Mm -hmm. um, those are for more remote locations in Alaska, things like that. Bush flying, mostly. Um, So very interesting to see a full-size aircraft with a single pilot. Um, I don't know. It's been rumored that the co-pilot is AI, uh, which is unsettling, especially since... uh, I grew up, for some reason, always having the movie Stealth jammed down my throat, um, which 
fantastic as far as uh, graphics or a um, a uh, 3D rendering. It looked very realistic in the movie still. Uh, terrible movie, uh, not very well acted. But uh, check that out if you want something to look at some great visual effects and uh, some some not so great acting. Um, <laughs> there is a Chinese brand. Uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be pronounced uh, Crake or Crack or just C-R-A-I-C. Um, but they are developing essentially the next competition to the, uh, as Matt has spelled it, a rebus, uh, the Airbus, oh, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the, uh, the Boeing. It's going to be a 737A320 competitor, which will be I mean, very that interesting. That pretty on-brand for China. We're seeing, I mean, they, they, are, they are making their, uh, they already have, right? But China is, as a whole is just making their place known in the world. I mean, it was, I think it's only a matter of time till they brought the, to, you know, really brought the fight to Air, you know, Airbus and uh, or Airbus, Airbus, whatever, whatever. I can't even say what I typed <laughs> at this point. Airbus and Boeing. I'll say it. I'll say it right. So, uh, uh-huh. well, I mean, we'll have to watch that and see how the the sales compare. And uh, I mean, I'm not not saying anything, but obviously, you know, uh, performance as well, frankly. So, so. Right. We'll see, right, it's going to be big on uh, supposedly their their main focus is fuel economy. So we'll see. Fuel economy yeah, is huge in the, the airline the commercial industry. airline world. So uh, that being said, uh, something with zero emissions and zero fuel usage is uh, Arthur Air, who is known for their. It's never flown before. Un, yet unflown electric was an electric air taxi essentially it, it's an electric air taxi with VTOL capabilities so VTOL is vertical takeoff and landing uh, so essentially mm-hmm. it is going to be uh, Zach actually <clears throat> you would uh, you would know this it is like um, some of the oh, what was that plane in Halo that you could take off straight up and down and you push the button well real life would be the Harrier well Hornet, I, the Falcon, I think it's the Hornet Banshee <laughs> no, I think no, I don't. Know. I think it was the Hornet. It was the uh, well, the Hornet yeah, could could do that, but it wasn't there one where the like the stuff came down straight forward and then it flew like a plane. Or am I thinking it's the Hornet? Maybe it was a f- mm, not the Falcon. I thought it was like, in one of the newer Halo. Anyway, I promise you, it's um, like, looking at it right now, it's like a helicopter. Like like there was two like uh, helicoptery jets and like are like Iron Man repulsor some kind of things. Yeah, that's the Hornet. Yeah, it's the Hornet. I think that's what you're talking about, right? No, I don't. No, it's not the Hornet. Hold on, I'll figure it out. But anyway, you keep, you um, keep talking. I'll vertical takeoff and landing. So that's what Archer is is developing right now. They had a gigantic order from United Airlines working with their um, sub. I wouldn't. It's not sub brand. It's a, uh, a partnership with Mesa Airlines, who manages some of their uh, United Express uh, flights. They bought a ridiculous number, a ridiculous dollar amount of these Arthurs, even though they've never been flown before uh, for air taxis. So essentially, um, for those of you who have been listening for a while, we're based in Chicago. Chicago has two major metropolitan airports in it. We have Midway and we have O'Hare. Midway is the smaller of the two. But essentially... O'Hare is O'Hare. 
And, o- and O'Hare is O'Hare. Yeah, exactly. Now, what you might have is now O'Hare does have Southwest flights landing there r- as of recently, um, mm-hmm. and they are planning but on moving more flights over they there. They never did before because they, you know, traditionally they, they, Southwest they owned most of the terminal gates at Midway Airport. Um, so. Using that as an example, let's say you've got uh, actually better example, Porter Airlines does not fly into uh, Chicago. They are a Canadian-based uh, low-cost carrier that flies to and from Toronto out of Midway. If I needed to connect through one of their partner programs at O'Hare, instead of me getting a taxi and then having to go back through TSA, now I could take an air taxi using an Archer on United land uh, from a Porter flight at Midway take the air taxi over and get on my plane at O'Hare without having to go back through security. Not to mention with the vertical takeoff and landing capabilities, you wouldn't necessarily have to follow, you know, same in, you know, in what getting in line to land at one of maybe a traditional, you know, la- you know, landing strip at O'Hare potentially. Yeah. There's obviously going to be very restrictive flight pa- paths oh, for things oh, like for that. Sure. Um, cause it, you don't obviously want them getting in out of, cross it yeah, active, <laughs> active right. Place. So, <laughs> so essentially you, you'd have taxi points, which are essentially helipads between yeah. the airports. And then as long as they don't make, as long as that air taxi does not make a stop anywhere else, you're still within what, what's considered the safety zone or the restricted zone. Um, so that it way looks you like United put up a one billion dollar, or quote unquote, United put up a one billion dollar order for about two hundred of the air units right. of the aircraft. So now that being said, let's let's, let's put it in perspective. Market. That's t- uh, two and a half seven eighty sevens, and mm. they've got fourteen ish <laughs> in their fleet, I believe. So yeah, this also is not just it's it's also Archer going public. It's coupled this deal is coupled with a five hundred dollar million dollar essentially investment banker led, you know, reverse merger that'll essentially take Archer Aviation public. So I think all in all they're gonna be getting I think like one point one billion dollars in funding across this reverse merger with the with the uh investment group as well as the United merger, which means that they will Archer will then trade on the New York Stock Exchange, and I think their valuation initially would be something like Forbes is saying about three point eight billion dollars under this new deal. So this is a pretty big deal for the company, and all also hinging on like still yet to fly aircraft. I right. Think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Technically, not even proven flying it, aircraft. It scares me because of what we've seen out of like GM and Nikola. Um, with the the large, uh, all electric uh, semi trucks, mm-hmm. yeah. being that all of that was lies and artist renderings and fake things and people running to Walmart during the opening because it ran out of power, so they needed to go buy more double A's kind of thing. <laughs> I um, would think that if United, you know, it's one thing for just, you know, to to help with the, you know do a reverse merger and blah blah blah. But I, th- I think with United even putting in might be a little bit of small fish, you know, small money for them, quote unquote, potential, you know, decent money for them. It's United Airlines, you know, they're they're not in the business of, quote unquote, really risky investments. So 
hey, United, United must know something that we don't, right? So yeah, obviously, obviously they've looked at the numbers and they've looked at everything and and they've seen the evaluation of it. So I'm I'm interested to see what happens. Speaking um, of United, though, yes, a United. Uh, so it's United three twenty eight over Denver. Uh, I believe it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah. Um, it was either late Friday or, or Saturday, but. Anybody um, want to see some plane parts for sale on Craigslist? <laughs> so the uh, the cowling of the engine on it was the fifth ever produced triple seven, uh, flying United colors, took off from Denver, had an explosion in the uh, it would be the port or no, it was the starboard wing. Yeah. Um, right side. Star starboard wing engine, uh, lost its cowling, blew apart. There are videos all over. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, of the incident happening, and had to. Uh, um, I think I'm do a perform an emergency landing safely. Landed safely. La- landed safely. Uh, the plane does look like it's on fire. What I believe is actually happening is just hot air, um, and debris moving over the the open yeah. coils of that engine, but. Oh, um, the chief thing was, is t- I think, what, an airplane <clears throat> engines are designed to fail and self-contain if failures or explosions. This one, right? I mean, it, it clearly, the engine's uh, outer structure didn't contain whatever went wrong. And yeah, and, it and it's obviously the, um, you know, the FAA and the NTSB are going to be looking into this. However, oh, it yeah. is based off the pictures and a lot of speculation, which... Again, mm-hmm. I, I think I is well founded uh, in my research. It looks to be a fan blade failure, mm-hmm. which would have detached a piece of the fan blade, thrown it into the cowling, and then the cowling ended up uh, smashing a uh, mid two thousands Dodge Ram in someone's front yard, uh, and then landed uh, as a new uh, portal through time into someone's home. <laughs> Standing um, up, it was kind of funny looking. But it, it also good, good news shows that nobody was hurt. I, I think what I was yeah, reading last no, night. In no hand, injuries reported. Uh, somehow, miraculously, nobody, I think, on the ground or in the in, in the aircraft was hurt. Uh, somehow. Um, I, I will go as far as to say that it's not miraculous. Um, only because. On the ground? Well, the people on the ground, that, yes, that is, I'm very glad nobody was hurt. Um but these planes are designed to fail with grace and i think oh, it's oh you're saying I, yeah people in the air yeah i'm not surprised that yeah air, I, i'm glad nobody was hurt on the ground and and, and yeah. yes the um, ground is the impressive part frankly yeah the um for those of you who are nervous flyers that might be listening um and this might be your least favorite segment <laughs> sounds then, like I'm we sorry. focus on all of these um, problems in the air yeah yeah the what this shows is that the plane very clearly is designed with safety and the ability to get back on the ground very quickly in mind. Um, Even with failures. Yeah. And, and mind you, the the engine is spinning its fastest on takeoff. So if anything bad is going to happen, unless it's a fuel issue or... Um, I mean, most bird strikes happen on takeoff and landing. Mm-hmm. Most, and if you're already landing, you're already landing. Oh, there's also redundancy good, but... built into everything. That's one of the reasons. Right. 
problem with the Max issues there wasn't redundancy built right. in. Right, and in a lot of cases it's still pilot, redundancy. I mean, I mean if that's why I'm worried about you know hearing uh, FedEx and Sikorsky working on a single pilot cargo plane because you got a captain and a co-captain or a captain was that a captain and a first officer I think actually yeah, technically cap- captain and I mean, first officer. You essentially have two at least two pilots. You know, it's, it's all redundancy just in case everything has a generally a redundant system as a backup. So. You know, and then you take that to space flight. I mean, there's even more redundant systems and redundancy built in for safety. But, I mean, you're you're safer flying on the ground still, even with this, than you are driving a car. So, yeah. Yeah. Well. Well. With that, you, uh, maybe. Why don't, uh, why don't you touch one, on our one last? Uh, yeah, really cool thing in terms of like in the air is uh, I don't know if anybody might have heard, but NASA landed a rover on Mars a couple days ago. <laughs> They uh, we we have they NASA successfully landed the Perseverance rover on Mars. Um, I I do not remember specifically where. I think I remember reading that they landed it on near a, a an ancient dried up lake bed. So I, I think the con- the continued search for life and scientific investigation goes on on Mars. I think Mars is what a hundred and twenty hundred and thirty something million miles away. So think of how hard that is to land a, an, you know, what I would assume I think is the most sophisticated rover we've ever landed over 130 million miles away from where we are. That is without, you know, understating a feat of engineering. And I think the cool, another cool thing is the Perseverance uh, rover also has a drone with it to help with uh, aerial reconnaissance and kind of scientific investigation as well. Um, to maybe scout further missions or places to investigate. So I don't know for sure what the uh, ex- what the expected lifespan of the uh, rover is uh, or the operation of, of this, but nonetheless, hats off to NASA and another step closer to learning more about Mars. Um, some of the, the pictures that the high-res pics that we're getting back are incredible. View, you know, listeners know that I, I love, you know, I, I love uh, space travel. I love, you know, astronomy and I, I'm super thrilled. It's, it's beyond words. Uh, it's really, really cool to be back on Mars, quote unquote, with a new, a new scientific platform. So I will be watching. And if there's any notable news brought forth by the Perseverance rover, I will personally be watching it uh, very frequently. <clears throat> Sorry, very frequently because it's, it's just incredible, frankly. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what more we can learn about Mars because it's just fascinating, to be honest. So well done to NASA. Absolutely. So I think finally this will bring us to fuel for thought. Which <laughs> I wanna get bet Zach then back to and, and get his opinions on a non something that he won't compromise on a car something he won't compromise on in a car. I think I, I think this is going mine. to be a recurring topic as we have guests. It's, it's interesting, right? Like I, I'll recap. Mine was have to see where I'm going. I, I, I it, it makes a difference driving when I, I've driven vehicles with non-LED headlights and LED headlights, and I enjoy driving at night. So for me, I have to have LED headlights. Period. Uh, Nick, I think your yours was what? I was engine sound, I, or or, or I, just the sound that it makes in general. I guess. Um, I, cause in all honesty, I love the sound that the Tesla Roadster made. Um, that was, even though it was more or less just a gearbox electric noise. That's still a cool noise. It's like from uh, the yeah. US, like it's so cool. So Zach, so what Zach, about you? 
What's yours? Is this is this just for like new cars? Like if I was going to look for a new car, or just like in in general, what is something <sighs> if if you're gonna get a car, new, old, blah blah, you know? I guess for me, like LED headlights would maybe be something more towards newer cars, but just in general, yeah, what is the one thing you won't compromise on in a car. I was going to say, like, for a new car, Apple, it has to have Apple CarPlay, and it has to have radar cruise control. Those two I will not budge on, and I did not budge on when really? I was looking for my car. Radar yeah. cruise control? Yes, just because so many cars have it. It's standard on all Hondas, minus, I believe, the HRV and the Fit. Mm-hmm. They actually canceled the Fit for 21. Um, I've but... used radar cruise control, and it seems like, you know, even at the at the lowest distance setting, it still is is too touchy and, and still like too far away, and then it, it it kills itself when someone slows down in front of me. Have you not experienced that then, or is that not no? I I use radar cruise all the time. It's the best. It's my favorite. Okay. Um, Which and, and and every car handles it differently for sure. Yeah. But in my Mazda three, it's been fantastic. And Apple CarPlay is a must just because. I drove a Kia Rio, which at the time was the cheapest car you could buy in America for fifteen grand, and it had Apple CarPlay. So I always benchmark it. Like if I can get a car with, with Apple CarPlay for fifteen grand, the eighty-eight thousand dollar Toyota Land Cruiser should one hundred percent have Apple CarPlay, and it doesn't. So here's a question about Apple CarPlay for you: Is yeah. it okay if you know even say a luxury car, even like Audi, Porsche prices, for example? In theory, is it okay if that, no matter what you're paying, 80, 90, 100 grand, even like even up to 150, right? If you pay for it and you don't get nav, even on the price you're paying, if it has Apple CarPlay, does the navigation yes. within, you know, if Apple or Android Auto, blah, blah, whatever your phone is, right? Is that, I would say, is, is that the new standard where navigation from the factory just doesn't matter anymore? I, I, I think in 10 years it will not matter at all. That long. Um, I think really? we sort of have to yeah, – well, I think we do have to slowly phase out the people that grew up using um, that sort of mm-hmm. built-in information. I, you know, like I would say 10 years at the very least. I mean there are some BMWs and Lexus products that still come with CD players, 2021 <laughs> from the factory. So, I mean, like, you know, that technology is going to be – it's definitely on its way out. I don't even yeah. have a CD player in my, in my Mazda. Have so, you reviewed a new um, car recently that I, I I can't think of one I I I think I was saying before I'm I'm up to date except for the last automotive like vehicle review you did um but I if there's has there been an uh even vehicle that you can talk about at least that is released already that hasn't had Apple CarPlay um new car I'm trying to think what about oh yeah um... the the Supra coming out this week really. That Supra did not have Apple CarPlay. Or or huh. didn't it, but you have to pay BMW for it? Yes, so it is an option. You can get it, but it's not standard oh, on the Supra. Oh, it's basically a BMW, though. Which, that car was, which, two things. First of all, that car was $47,000. No Apple CarPlay at $47,000 in a Atrocity. I said that wrong. But um, the <laughs> second thing is that it not only does it not have Apple CarPlay, it has BMW's iDrive system. The iDrive system is terrible. I have spent many of hours in BMW's this calendar year 
because um, mm-hmm. I, I help my friend with another business and he drives a BMW and we're always on the road for it. And the iDrive system is so frustrating to use. It was literally, it was one of the worst parts of the Supra. That'll be out later this week, the four-cylinder Supra. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I, I paid $23,000 for my car and it has Apple CarPlay. Anything above that should have it. It's just, it's just a software thing. Hmm. Interesting. So, you I, I won't compromise on that for new cars. Sounds like you make a distinction for older cars, then. Well, I mean, yeah, you can't expect to... I mean, Apple yeah. CarPlay only I mean, came out in 2014. Unless so it's I'm a not, car show where they retroactively give you products to, you know... Which is so cool. They released <laughs> it for the 986 Boxster, and I was so hyped. Um, I would say it's got to have actual, like, an actual transmission... Um, I will never, ever buy a CVT product. Um, I just don't mm-hmm. like it. Um, even if automatic, like my, again, my Mazda 3, is a, it's a six-speed. It's automatic, but it is a mm-hmm. six-speed. Um, I won't ever do a CVT. I, I would say engine noise is definitely up there, but I, I don't always, it doesn't always have to be there. For a daily driver, I really don't care that much. Yeah. Um, that's, that's interesting. I say I maybe the Apple car I think interesting to me because I think I I've had the pleasure of of some newer cars using Apple CarPlay. Um, and and also Radar Cruise. I wouldn't say at least my experience was is with Radar Cruise has been limited to uh, Nissans uh, and their SUVs. I I didn't oh, really yeah. care for it, frankly, unless there was frankly wide open swaths of road, you know. But the Apple CarPlay, it's a nice feature. But I got to say, you know, I, I don't drive as many new cars, and I, that's not really a focus of mine. Maybe if I, you know, drew, you know, had a newer car, quote-unquote, all the time, you know, that could have Apple CarPlay, that would be a bigger deal, frankly. I'm, I'm not quite sure, to be honest. You know? I mean, well, the thing is that it's just, it's more of a principle thing to me. If I'm going to spend my money... Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to spend $47,000, I should get everything I get or everything you would get in a $15,000 car plus more, ideally. So, you know, why spending 50 grand and then someone pulls up next to me in their 2019 Kia Rio, you know, it's missing a hubcap and they're like, I have Apple CarPlay, do you? And then you have to sit there and say no. but I'm paying $1,100 a month yeah. for this thing. So oh, it's, yeah. it, it's more of just a principle thing. Yeah. So that, that's me. It, I don't know. That's an interesting way of thinking about it, though. Yeah. Because I, I guess I yeah. never knew that that's... Well, I knew I, your I actually, thoughts. I, I get that, but... though, to be honest. I, I Sorry to interrupt you, Nick, but when you say it's a principle thing, I get that because I got to be honest. You know, like for like my mom, for example, I, I think I said it before. She just bought a, a new, uh, not bought. She's she's leasing a, a new 2020 uh, Nissan Rogue. Yeah. And that it doesn't, it, and she's got, I think, last I checked, not the highest trim model, but one of the highest ones. And she still does not have my, you know, you know, um, non-compromised, you know, LED headlights. So it doesn't even have fog lights on it. And that's yeah. And my and you guys know my 2003 uh, Lexus LS430 has got LED fog. Uh, I put LED uh, fogs in it, but uh, LED headlights, a, adaptive, you know, lane 
whatever, blah, 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 you know, motorized LED headlights. A 2003 yeah. Lexus. I mean, and that's on principle for what she's paying or even just the trim and model year. How does it not have LED headlights standard? Nick, your, uh, your Durango as well. Same kind of thing. LED fog lights for your year and what it is, but, you know, high output halogens, not LEDs. I, I kind of well, get the whole. But, but then again, my, yeah. my Durango is kind of an outlier because my Durango is a fleet model. So... Yeah, but even still, I mean. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I'll give it a pass for a fleet model. I, I, I get at least maybe there. I, I get what you're saying, Zach, with it's the principle of things, you know? It's just right. as technology advances, why do we still have quote unquote, you know, CD players, maybe stuff like that, but LEDs. We can't even use cur yeah. we can't even use, you know, filament, you know, halogen and curly Q light bulbs in our houses, quote unquote, buy them legally. We have these LEDs, right? How are they still not standard in every car model? You know? Yeah. I mean I get that the what changed for me is last August when I bought my Mazda three. It's the newest most expensive thing i've ever purchased mm -hmm. and so ever since then when i review new cars i have to put myself in the shoes of you know i'm usually reviewing cars like for instance all three trucks that i reviewed last week or the, the videos came out last week were mm -hmm. over seven or two of them were over 70 grand and one of them was 50 grand wow and so you have to think you know they're paying what, 800 bucks a month, 900 bucks a month? You have yeah. to put yourself in the shoes of like someone shelling out close to $1,000 a month, you know, for these vehicles, if if not more, you know, depending on whatever price you get. But like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's really opened my eyes to if like, if I'm going to be paying for something, I want it to be, you know, yeah, close to the, you yeah. know, I want to get my money's worth is essentially the thing. And I always compare it to the base model Kia Rio that I drove. Yeah. Nothing special, like, but it had the Apple CarPlay, mm -hmm. um, and so that's just always that's been my benchmark since then, and it's just annoying because the other reason I, I make a big deal of it is that Apple CarPlay is just a software thing, you know. You just you yeah. plug in a box to another box, and then boom, you have Apple CarPlay in every car imaginable as long as it has a screen. Mm -hmm. So it's just a principle thing of oh, you know, Toyota held out forever to give Apple CarPlay. They're just now giving their vehicles Apple CarPlay. They're, so, you know, do you, do you think eight it comes years down to, behind the ball. Do you think it comes down to a licensing issue, or do you think it's just that they don't want to take the time to change their infotainment system? It very well could have been a, a licensing issue. I could see that happening. I don't have any solid evidence, but every other manufacturer seemed to have no issue with licensing. Uh, I mean, we're talking about Nissan has it. Mitsubishi has it. If Mitsubishi okay. has it, then, yeah. you know. If Mitsubishi but, has it, and, and if Nissan, after all this time of not changing yeah. their car designs, have it. They that's... have it. The yeah. thing is with Toyota is that they tried to push their own app for years. Oh. Um, I believe it was called, uh, I, don't want, I don't think it was Toyota Tune. Something like that. Even Lexus products as well. Um, they had their own app, and then it would mirror your phone using that app. I feel like uh, they I could get into started... some serious legal trouble if you're mirroring your phone screen, though. Because Apple it CarPlay, and in my end, the Android Auto is very limited in what you're allowed to do on it. Right. It doesn't mirror one-to-one, -one, but it, it get, like it put your phone up on the screen, essentially. Um, and like you can control stuff, blah, blah, blah. I forget what it's called. And I had it downloaded for one of the reviews I did. 
Um, but they held out for the longest. They would not do Apple CarPlay. And now um, the redesigned RAV4 for 2019 was one of the first vehicles to get Apple CarPlay when Apple CarPlay debuted in 2014. So they were at least five years that off. long ago? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, yeah, that, Toyota has always baffled me, and I always point it out in every Toyota review. It's like they're finally coming of age. Mm-hmm. They they gave up on their own product, thank God, um, and s- just switched to Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Sometimes it's not worth reinventing the wheel, even to have a little bit of the market share, frankly. Right. So, so like you said, it could have been a licensing thing, but I I seriously doubt it, just based off of how many, you know, vehicles had it at the time, and was and it, Toyota being such a powerhouse. Was it Toyota E-Tune? Yes. Oh, it's like a yellow app. Yeah, I was just looking up Toyota yeah, Toyota names, but Lexus was that way too. So Yeah. But uh, now the Prius has Alexa on board, which is just weird. That that's a whole nother what? thing. What? Yeah, some cars are getting Alexa on board now and I've I've always tried it in the vehicles and it never works. It R- never works. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. I'm not sure how that. I would you even use that? I mean, I would. No, I mean, wouldn't, like, I'd disable it would immediately. You? But that's me personally. You know what I discovered last night, though. I, I was, I had to drive an hour to a friend's house last night, and I didn't realize that I can use Siri while driving. So I was having oh, Siri yeah. doing math problems for me, while I was driving. I was trying to figure out what my next paycheck was going to be, so I had to do some math, and I just asked Siri, and she came up with it. it I felt so huh. cool. I felt like I was in the 23rd century. It was awesome. Yeah, because I, I, with me and Android Auto and my Durango, because I, I use the OK Google feature all the time. Yeah. Oh, is my phone What's hmm. is, is that the name of the, the phone thing? or is I, what, I thought it was like Steven or something. No, nah, it's it's just the Google and assistant. Just, oh, hey, Google. That's stupid. Hey, Steve. What's the one hey, real name? What's up, Steve? What's up, Jim? <laughs> hey, Kevin. But, hey, yeah, who knows? So, we'll, we'll all be ta- eventually, someday soon, we'll all be talking to our cars like I'm driving themselves. Who's going to start the first podcast with an AI? I, oh, God. Oh, I, don't, you, I don't even do want to go there. That might be a pump the brake segment for later. Yeah. That's gonna that's gonna be one of I think that'll that'll take one or two forms. A, you know, AI will totally take over the podcast, lock the um the humans out, blah blah blah. Or B, it'll be say for example us talking to the AI, and we'll talk about something that like like a dog, and then AI say I know what a dog is and start pulling up pictures of dogs from Google Images. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Either Who really way, it's knows? terrifying. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I you know. I don't know. I've I've been in my free time just watching more Twitch lately and, and Twitch streamers oh, lately. Nice. And one of the the big things was um or, or one of the people that I discovered in the past uh week or so is someone called Code Miko. Has anybody have you No. Heard of this? No. So this woman developed a mocap suit and a complete 3D rendering of her apartment. And it's like a VTuber, uh, you know, like a virtual person, 
but everything she does, literally everything down to like th- the individual wrinkles on her knuckles is completely animated. That's creepy. Yeah, I don't like that. It's it's creepy. That's creepy. But it's weird cuz you'll you'll watch her do an interview and 15 minutes into the interview, you forget that that's not a real person. That's Also, by the way, she made a VR replica of her apartment. I mean, it's not a replica of her apartment. It's a completely different apartment, but it's in oh. full like it's in full space. It, so she can walk around her apartment and yeah. it's exactly like it looks like that's she's walking around real. in yeah. I was going to say, like, did someone tell her that she actually owns that apartment? Like, she can actually just <laughs> walk around it normally without glasses on? Well, that's the thing. Is that it's not, it's not like yeah. glasses. It's completely, anyway. Um, if you want to just check it out, um, it's Code Miko on Twitch. That's, um. Sounds like worth, worth, a, worth a look. I'll look at it. Yeah. Again. Yeah. That, it, that's, that's a whole other genre of things that we could talk about. Um, I know big time fuel. I, I, I do want to jump back real quick to something we were talking about, uh, back in rolling start. Um, mm-hmm. so other applications for minivans real quick, besides just having, yeah. Kids. what are you asking that? Or do you have something prepared? N- no, you you were talking like i don't know we we were on that topic and then we cut ourselves short and maybe yeah, was, maybe right. we don't well, jump like, back EVs, into it it wasn't but... minivans it was you know well, we we've seen stuff with like you know questioning you know how much range is going like things i'm wondering along our conversation is like how much range is going to be enough right like we we saw stuff like like this week and weeks of issues with the texas power grid and them being without power Zach, you had pointed out that there was a gentleman who was using his new 2021 Ford F-150 as a generator to run his house and, uh, you know, his neighbor and deliver power to his neighbors in Texas with all their power outages. I mean, you know, at what point, you know, what what do we really need to the infrastructure for EVs, the charging? I mean, you know, it's one thing to be able to go to a quote-unquote the pump and how long is that going to take and replanning the way you drive, but also power grids. Charging at home. How California has regular rolling power charges. I mean, you know, range anxiety is still a real thing. E- there's so much with EVs that yeah you know, is still up. Our in the infrastructure air. isn't ready for it. It's not. So going back to what you said and what I pointed out, there's an article about a guy down in Texas. Obviously, we know that Texas has been suffering from severe blackouts and uh, um, things like that. So. <laughs> The reason I brought it up is because I actually drove the truck that he was using. Um, if you buy a hybrid F-150, um, so and you can get it on any trim level, but if you get an F-150 with the hybrid drive system, so it's a 3.5 liter twin turbo V6 paired to an electric motor, a 47 horsepower electric motor, mm-hmm. um, you actually get a 240 outlet in the bed. 240 volt, which can run a washing machine, a welder. Um, it's a heavy-duty outlet. Normal, traditional wall outlets here in America are 120, and you actually get one of those on the dashboard of the F-150 as well. But the hybrid F-150 can be put into a generator mode and solely runs power just to that rear outlet, and a guy was using it to power his home. 
Um, especially if you pay for, I think it's a $700 option, mm-hmm. it upgrades the 240 outlet to, uh, I want to say like a 7 kilowatt hour or something like that. Wow. It, it puts out an insane amount of power. Well, well, or put out stats where it would run, it would run a, a electric saw for like four days straight on a tank. This of is gas. a dumb question, like, but what run? You know what? Obviously, all that power is being sourced from somewhere. What? What is? Is that the, you know, the 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 gasoline power engine charging system, or like what's what's supplying all that power though? Yeah, so it's the gasoline engine that is working with the electric motor to produce the current um, that goes to that rear outlet. Well, um, I got to think in there is, is the question is, you know, if, if he didn't have a gasoline or readily available, it's in the future, you know, how would that have been possible then? I mean, they're, they're, they didn't have access to their own power grid, so he was creating power from, you know, uh, not what's the term, uh, fossil fuels, right? So. Right. I mean, it, it, it poses the question where, you know, with, you talked about, like, what, battery swapping? And you know, there's how long are people really going to sit at a charging station yeah. on, a dry, on a drive from coast to coast? Or even, I'm thinking to myself, I can generally, you know, go up to up north in Wisconsin on a tank and a, literally a tank, even in, like, a new, you know, I, a new Nissan I get road. 526 miles out of a single tank of gas in my drink. Yeah, the question is, at what point? But you're also running other other accessories within the car and lights at night and stuff like that. I mean, how much range is going to be enough? It's one thing to have 400 miles of driving range, but what about the power needed to supply everything else? The infrastructure. I mean, our our electricity supplied via either sources or you know, coal plants, nuclear facilities, things like that. Like, or, there's so much that goes into Or look into at the, the commercials that I've been seeing for the new EV Hummer with, yeah, where they're of... going out camping. Um, if you've got your phone plugged into that thing overnight, You're using if, you, power to get if out. you leave a laptop plugged in to a, a cigarette lighter outlet overnight in a car, I the, mean, no, the car's battery will die. You leave your car in the garage with your, uh, your interior dome light on. Drain your yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and then that's not necessarily a quick charge to get that back up to normal, right? So, I don't know. I, I'm all for EVs, but I, I can't help but wonder, especially with issues like we've seen in Texas, what really does the future of charging and, more importantly, how we supply all the new EVs, gonna, what's, what does it look like? You know? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think... This decade is really going to be a big transitional decade. The 2020s are going to be a big transition towards EVs. 2.0. But I think, I think we're going to really enjoy if you know the after if the Silverado, if the Ram, if they start to go hybrid, and we're going to start to get these onboard mm-hmm. generator outlets. I think it's going to be a really nice time for pickup trucks and other vehicles. Hopefully, you know, hopefully other hybrids offer generator features like yeah. this um i think you know like you said eventually when we don't have a need for fossil fuels obviously you know you won't need those um and generators will be pointless but you know at yeah, least that, that, for that now, is the future right but the question yeah. is are we you know i think nick had brought this up on a previous episode where you know i, I was talking about where you know we set these deadlines of hybrid or even ev full electric by x year forward right you know, it's one thing to set the deadlines and maybe, you know, people realize that's a kick in the butt to really innovate. 
but that's not always necessarily up to humans, right? Like, you know, we can innovate really fast, but that also means that we also technically have the means and the materials and the capabilities to be able to do so. If we haven't yet figured those out, then no amount of, you know, sprinting in terms of innovation will get us to the point we might need to be within the next five, ten years. I mean, right. I don't know. It's uh, well, I gotta say though, one thing. What what a great marketing opportunity for Ford. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no kidding. I, I can't help but think that it, it's a terrible situation that that you know was brought on from you know their their new development, right? And for those who might not know, uh, we talked about it before, but Texas essentially going through a winter storm, the likes that us here in the north, like our Chicagoland area, typically see as a decent, you know, really tough winter. Texas is seeing that. And even one thing that was pointed out to me, there are places in Texas that are further south than where people go to vacation in Mexico that are seeing, you know, yeah. 18 inches of snow, negative degree temperatures, pipes freezing. Like, that's a big deal. So these yeah. people, Texas's power grid pretty much was shut down, and we're not going to get into the, you know, I've been reading a lot, potential politics and you know, private versus versus governmental regulations and blah, blah, but this guy was, you know, was incredibly intelligent to use his new 2021 pickup and the generator. Yeah. What a marketing opportunity for Ford to just prove it makes a difference. We all saw that commercial right in the Super Bowl where the guy, I think the guy who was building a log cabin in, in the woods using his F-150 and the generator run the two lights and all that, which was yeah. cool, right? But this is the real world marketing that they needed. I mean, it's interesting because, well, first of all, I drove the hybrid F one fifty. Yeah, it must have been three or four weeks ago at this point. But the video only came out last week. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I originally drove that truck, I was telling all my friends, I'm like, this thing has a two forty outlet in the bed, and everyone was hyped over it, but no one had even heard of it before. This was, yeah. you know, even pre Super Bowl. Uh, I think I drove it at the end of January. Um. And so I'm glad that now that feature of that truck is actually mm -hmm. getting the publicity it, it deserves because it is a feature it's that a I would deal. seek out. And I think something that Ford didn't emphasize enough with that truck is that mm -hmm. you can get that hybrid system with the 240 outlet in the bed on any trim level. So I drove I, wait, I didn't even XL. know that. I thought it was just, oh. No, so I drove an XL, wow. which is a base model plus four-wheel drive. And that's it. The, the, those were the only options. Was well, the hybrid system. Ford, you know, with Ford, you get killed on the base models, right? I think one of your yeah, reviews I mean, smartly like the, pointed that out, too. The plastic is not great. It was tinny. It was The yeah. wheels looked bad. It was just this flat white color. Always better going it up at one trim level. Yeah, but the fact that they offered of, hey, if you want a base model truck, but with the hybrid, you can do it. it that's always been a big failure that a There's lot of companies truck. go through. I mean, I was even talking to my friend yesterday, Mazda CX-5 diesel, right? It, they they mm -hmm. made a diesel version here in the States for one year, one year only, 2019. But the issue with it is that it was only available on the signature trim level. So you had to get the handcrafted Napa leather seats. You had to get the heated and cooled seats. You had to get a heated steering wheel. You had to get the nice wheels. You had to get the nice headlights. You're not bringing that diesel. truck to work. Yeah, so, so in order to get a CX-5 diesel, you had to pay for all the bells and whistles. 
And it's the same thing at the top of the show we were talking about with EVs. Yeah. So the fact that they're offering the hybrid on lower trim levels, I think, is a huge change. Well, so that that's your road truck, right? Like I know you. I think uh, you you would experience the uh, what I think the fold what the fold on shifter and the right and, and the uh, like that the folding out, you know, what uh, the center console road is, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's like you know, like that's sold as the work truck, but I think you had mentioned like that's on higher trim models. That's not the work truck, right? That's you know that's a gimmick of a work truck. The real work truck is the base model with all wheel drive and the generator back. I mean, yeah, that's the work truck, and that's that is that's some solid. Yeah, and I think it was uh, mid to high forty grand for that thing. I mean, the hybrid system adds about seven or eight grand to the price. But it it's not like it's not the cheapest of options, though. but it is an option. Hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, you get a 240-volt outlet. I mean, you can power an arc welder. And I mean, then you can power a washing machine for a water hookup. Like, you know, for some fleet sales, right? That could be that can be a game changer for some, like, well, even some small to mid-sized construction firms. I mean, yeah. You know, oh, absolutely. Even yeah, fleet sales are going to eat that up. Yeah. Yeah. To, to bring full circle, we I drove a Honda Clarity earlier this year. It's a plug-in hybrid. Mm-hmm. And it takes... It takes uh, 12 hours to charge on a, on a 120 outlet, wow. <laughs> but it takes two hours to charge on a 240 outlet. Now, not a lot of homes have a 240 outlet mm-hmm. in their garage, but if you have your F-150, just park it next to it, and it'll charge in two hours. You can charge your Honda Clarity in two hours with the F-150. <laughs> <laughs> that's, wow, that's... <laughs> That's, that's... Is it ridiculously backwards? Yes, but yeah, um... you know it exists. That it's something you can do. But in a situation like what we're seeing in Texas, if there's power outages and stuff, and you got to get to work tomorrow, uh, right? I mean, about a big, well, about a maybe moment. that's the way though too. I think I remember reading an article. Uh, Chevy is so behind their new, uh, new Chevy Bolt that Chevy will even pay if you buy a, a new was it like a 2022 Bolt. They'll pay to have level two charging installed in your home. Maybe that's the way forward. Where if you buy the Bolt is such a garbage car. I'm not. I mean, I'm not saying it's not, but maybe that's like that's the way where you know, uh, you know, you like part of the purchase is automotive manufacturers paying the the cost to put a 240 volt in your your home. I mean, yeah, that could be a huge selling point because frankly, going down from 12 hours to let's say two, that's a yeah. I mean that that's not. I mean, it might have been like petrol, ten to but... two, but still, it was definitely double digits. Yeah, that doesn't get you down digits. to you know your your five minutes of uh, uh, petrol or gasoline fill up, but it does get yeah. you a heck of a lot closer. Frankly, I yeah. mean, that's a big deal. I mean, wow, that's that's incredible. Frankly, yeah. So we'll. I mean, we'll see what happens. It's 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 a brave new world we're entering. Yeah, it's for for a lot of reasons in both the air and on land. So, and space. Yeah. So with that, I I don't have anything else for, uh, unless you guys have something else you want to go over today. Like, uh, we've run a little long longer than. But, uh, it's always uh you know much better to have you on Zach and if we go a little bit longer. So. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate. It. I love coming on. Uh, love anything else? Anyone? Want? Thanks. I, I'm all set. Well, I think uh, I think then that's a wrap on this week. Once again, we want to thank Zach. What, uh, we want to thank you for tuning in and joining us again for the second time. I'm sure it won't be the last time, but 
uh, tell the people again how can they how can they find you? How can they reach out to you and uh, see your content? Uh, shooting cars on YouTube. Uh, you can look up shooting cars reviews or Fredo reviews or whatever or rotary lights. Um, I do a whole series about my R seven as well. Um, and then Instagram is really the only one, uh, the only other platform I use, which is shooting underscore cars uh, on Instagram. Yeah, that, definitely check out uh, his channels and his platforms, guys. Uh, Zach's putting out some great content always. I said I, I, I generally will watch videos of his uh, every time they release. So I think, uh, Zach, you had told me best that uh, you put out content like, you know, like if you were telling your friends, right? And it, I think it really shows. So Yeah, that's definitely my goal is to, like it, it, it should just be like a casual conversation. So. Yep. Great content. Can't get enough. One of the best reviewers that I watch in the So. Again, thanks for coming on. We can't thank you enough. I'm sure we'll see you here again. But with that, I think it brings us to the checkered flag for this week. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. For Redline Resorts, RLR, you can reach out to us at podcast at redlineresorts.com or at Redline Resorts on all platforms for our social media handles. With that, we'll see you guys next week. But I'm Nick. I'm Matt. Sorry, that's Nick. And once again, thank you, Zach, for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week and take care. Thanks, guys. Thank you.